Today's scripture is from John chapter 12, verses 20 through 28. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast, there were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Well, good evening, everyone. Good morning to those who are watching. Uh, my name is Jake. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and just kind of want to reiterate, Tuesday, you've got dinner plans already. Go to Chick-fil-A, help send our kids to camp. Um, there are flyers in the back, so, so go. Um, and uh, Oh, I forgot my mask. Thanks, Dave. Um, so flyers in the back, grab one of those on your way out. And I just want to start by welcoming you. Um, uh, it's a fine Wednesday uh, today, and if you've ever seen Winnie the Pooh, the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh, you know that reference of it being a Wednesday. Um, and so it's been very windy these last couple of days. Um, I think we're trying to compete with Chicago to be the new Windy City lately. Um, I'm not for it. Um, I don't like the wind, but I think we're going to be okay. Amen? All right. Um, So we're going to dive in. We're going to dive in to John chapter 12 uh, today. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up. We're going to be in the scriptures. Um, I'm getting some feedback. I'm okay. All right. Um, But let me pray, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and dive in. God, you're good. And we thank you for who you are and how you have loved us. Lord, we know that, that we do not love uh, except through knowing your love um, and that you loved us first. And so pray that as we dive into the scriptures today, that you would help us, that you would be our strong tower, that we would trust you even when life is hard, even when we do not understand, Lord. We know that you are good and that you are true. Um, and that you love us. And so, Lord, help us today, help me today as we dive into your scriptures to, to change us, to change our hearts that we may love and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I think I'm going to get a handheld here. Can you hear me now? There's no feedback now, right? All right, we're good. All right, let's dive into the scriptures. So I wanted to start um, by telling you a story. Um, And some of you have probably heard this story, but I I wanted to tell you the story of Jim Elliott. And Jim Elliott, uh, in the late 1940s, he came to faith um, and was deeply struck by the the urgency of the gospel. 
In his diary, he constantly wrote down, um, the, and it was constantly in his mind of, there are people in this world that are not going to hear the good news of Jesus before they die. And it, it, and it consumed him. He felt an incredible burden for, the peop- for these people um, and a desire for them to know the love that is in Jesus. And so this desire eventually drove him uh, to the unreached people groups, the unreached tribes in Ecuador. He and a group of others traveled down there in in the early 1950s, and after years of engaging the, uh, the tribal groups in Ecuador, seeing a lot of people come to faith, um, he eventually also um, uh, married his wife Elizabeth, um, and they had a daughter. However, with all the successes that was happening in Ecuador, there was a looming shadow for Jim and his buddies. And that was the Huarani people, the Huarani tribe down in Ecuador. The Huaranis were were known for being violent, particularly towards outsiders. They were were particularly violent towards them. And there were many instances in the the years that he was down there in in many stories of uh, the the Huaranis attacking um, uh, people. And so Jim and, and, and the five other families that were with him were particularly burdened uh, for these Huaranis and sought to share the gospel with this people group. After multiple recon missions, they had an airplane, uh, and months later, they finally, Jim and five of his bu- or four of his buddies decided to land in an attempt to reach out uh, to the Huaranis. They set up a camp a few miles from the known location of the tribe, And actually, a few days later, a male and a female Hurani came to them, and they had a very uh, nice, friendly greeting. They uh, exchanged gifts, and they even gave the the man, they gave him a a ride in the airplane, um, which is really shocking because that man had never seen an airplane before. Um, And so it, it was a really friendly meeting, and... From what we understand, because this meeting was so friendly, uh, Jim and his buddies were, were planning on trekking into the Huarani village uh, within the next couple of days. The next day, after this meeting, 10 Huarani warriors surprised Jim and his friends, speared them, and threw them in the river. Jim Elliott wrote in his diary years before, in 1949, one of of his most famous lines, he is no no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott and the others gave their lives something they could not keep to gain Jesus something they could not lose. And there's been a significant change in tone in John. Have, have you guys noticed it? in the last couple of weeks, there's been a significant change in tone specifically coming from Jesus. We had, uh, uh, we had Lazarus had died. He was, he was resurrected by Jesus. There's been an awful lot of death. There's been the plot to kill Jesus. And yeah, we, we had the triumphal entry last week. Um, but even that, the demeanor of Jesus really has not been celebratory these last couple of weeks. And we see this very pointedly in John 12. And today, we're going to look at the very serious call to lay down your life for Jesus. The serious call 
to lay down your life for Jesus. So let's dive into the scriptures, and, and to begin, um, I want to show you something. We're actually going to begin in verse 19. I want to show you something that's really interesting, really cool here um, in verse 19. So let's pick it up. Again, this is John 12, verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. So the Pharisees exaggerate here. They see all these people who are going to Jesus, believing in Jesus. They say, the whole world is going after Jesus. And a few weeks ago, we noticed that as a result of Lazarus being raised from the dead, uh, many people are believing in Jesus. And so the Pharisees, according to them, everyone is going to see Jesus and believing in Jesus. Everyone's going. But pick it up in verse 20, because there's really, uh, really something cool that happens here. Now, among those, so everyone's going to see Jesus. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. Don't miss that. It's really interesting, because in, in the Jewish time period, the Jewish mindset here, there are two groups of people. They're Jews, and there's non-Jews, or Greeks, or Gentiles. And so here, we see non-Jewish Greeks going up to see Jesus. And I think this is really interesting, not, not just merely in connection to the previous verse, but I think it helps us to understand Jesus' response here later in this passage. And so let's continue on um, in verse 21. So Greeks are coming. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Really quickly, get you a friend like Andrew. Andrew constantly throughout the gospels, like let he's just bringing people to Jesus. Let's the all right, let's go to Jesus. And here uh, is definitely the same way. Um, get you a friend that says, all right, well let's go to Jesus. Let's spend time next to Jesus. So Greeks come to see Jesus. And Jesus responds in a very interesting way. Now, we expect him, uh, of course, to say, like, hey, how's it going? He doesn't go out and meet them. He says this, verse 23. Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And we have to note something here with Jesus' response. Throughout the gospel, the hour that Jesus has been talking about has always been in the future. When, when Mary asked him to change water into wine, Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. In John 7, uh, when they uh, attempt to seize him, his hour had not yet come. John 8, they can't arrest him because his hour had not yet come. Here, notice the difference. The hour has come. The world is coming to Jesus. The time has come. And so let's pick it up, continuing with Jesus' words in verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground or in the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am... There my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
Jesus here shows us what it means to be a Christian. And this kind of conversation, this kind of language is throughout the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Diedrich Bonhoeffer says it this way. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Jesus calls us to a life of sacrifice through these three kind of paradoxical truths that he's talking about. He calls us to a life of sacrifice. Jesus says, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life will keep it. And then finally, whoever serves Jesus, the Father will honor. And so here, Jesus calls us to die to ourselves, to deny ourselves, and to hate our life. And so this afternoon or this morning, I I want to ask us three simple questions about this idea of dying to ourselves to help us follow our Savior in hating our lives. First of all, what does it look like? Why is it hard? And then why is it worth it? So what does it look like to die to yourself? Why is it hard to do that? And then why is it worth it? What does it look like to die to yourself in service to Jesus? And I think on a broad scale, verse 25 really shows us what this is like. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it. Denying yourself means hating your life. Now, now this is not in a, a, a suicidal sense. That's not what we're talking about here. But in a considering your life as not the most important thing. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 10. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will keep it. I love my mom. I love, I love my wife. I love my kids. I hope you do as well. Uh, and so what Jesus is saying here is in comparison to your love for Jesus, your life, your family comes second. And it's not even a close second. To put it this way, if I'm hungry and somebody offers me Ritz crackers, I'm probably going to eat them. However, if somebody gives me the option between Ritz crackers and a California burrito, you better believe I'm going for that California burrito, am I right? Offer me Ritz crackers. Come on. Come on, son. Get out of here. Get those crackers out of my face. I'm going for that California burrito. And I would hope so you would too, because we live in Tucson and we love our burritos and everything like that. So in comparison, in comparison here, I hate Ritz crackers compared to that burrito. Are you guys tracking with me on that? Does that make sense? That's kind of what Jesus is talking about. And I just want to ask you, do you hate your life in this way? Do you hate your life in the same way that Jim Elliott saw his life as wholly unimportant to the love of Jesus? When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, he's not merely saying, okay, do what you're doing Come to church, go to Sace after and have your tacos. Maybe you wear a little cross around your neck. 
and, and, and we can call it good. That's not what Jesus is saying here. A call to take up your cross was a call to come and die for Jesus. Leave all that you were before and give up your life in service to Jesus. Matthew 13, Jesus says it this way. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered it up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and then buys that field. This man sells all that he has to gain the treasure of Jesus. And he does it with joy. Now, I'm sure some of you are thinking, okay, okay, Jake, we get it. I'm not going to be that person. I'm not that person who can go out into the jungle, become a missionary. I'm not the person that can sell everything I have. But maybe there are some of you in this room that, that maybe you should. Maybe you need to. And yes, I understand that following Jesus, dying to him, does not necessarily mean going into the jungle, sharing the gospel, and being murdered, but it does mean dying to yourself. We die to ourselves when we do not consider ourselves the most important person in the room. We, we, we die to ourselves when we lay down our rights for others, when we lay down our privileges for others. We die to ourselves when our plans are interrupted so that we can help others, we use, when we use our money to serve others and not us. We die to ourselves when we give up our comfort to love and serve our kids. We die to ourselves when we seek to learn from others and how to worship God better. We die to ourselves when we listen to our minority brothers and sisters when they tell us how they have been treated in society and in our church. When we are confronted with the truth and we submit to it. We die to ourselves when, when we trust that what God says about us is right and not our personal feelings. We die to ourselves when we trust that sharing the gospel is better than what people think about us. We die to ourselves when we are willing to lose that which we cannot keep. What are you willing to lose? What do you need to lose? Dying to yourself means giving up your preferences, your desires, your goals, your loves, and submitting them to Jesus. Now, many of us are thinking, oh, of course. Of course I would be willing to die for Jesus in all of these areas, but the truth is, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this, it's not that easy. So why is it hard to die to ourselves for Jesus? And I think there's really two main levels. There's probably more than this for sure, but the two main levels. First, we live in a culture that continually and consistently tells us that if things are difficult, then something is wrong. We live in a culture that idolizes ease. And so happiness in America means peace and ease and comfort. And so if something in my life is difficult, then that something must be wrong and I need to fix it. And, and, and really quick, is this not the, the, the entire ethos of marketing and consumerism? If you are struggling, just buy something to fix your problems. You don't like the pain of deep frying? Buy an air fryer. You don't like the that you don't like the cords hanging down from your ears, here's some AirPods. You don't 
you think laundry's hard? Buy some more clothes. Uh-oh's right. <laughs> One of the reasons you might not want to give all you have in service to Jesus is because you have too much stuff getting in your way. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And he says, what must I do to be saved? And, and you guys know what Jesus' response is. Go, take all that you have, sell it, and come and follow me. And the ruler left saddened because he had a great many possessions. Contrast that earlier with the man that gladly and joyfully sold all that he had to go get Jesus. Your stuff might be getting in the way of you dying to Jesus. America constantly tells us that suffering and hardship is bad, but Jesus says that's where we will find life. That's where we will find life. So we have got a culture that is constantly bar bombarding us with a daily do not suffer mentality, but that's not all. Let's be honest. The real reason we don't hate our life, we don't die to Jesus, is because we don't want to. We are right in our own eyes. We love ourselves too much to love Jesus rightly. And, and really, this last year has exposed this, blown this out of the water to be so incredibly true that we are right in our own eyes. I, and I'm almost certain every single one of us in this room has gotten in some sort of disagreement in the last year, right? Absolutely. Raise your hand if you've gotten in a disagreement this last year. Yeah, it's basically everyone. In that discussion, were you trying to learn and grow? Or did you already think you were right and you were trying desperately so hard to convince that other person of your rightness? Whether it's COVID or masks or racial reconciliation, mass shootings, climate change, theology, school district issues, you put in the topic, we believe we are right. I know the best way how to, uh, I know the best way to handle COVID. I know the best way the church should operate. I know how to solve racism. And if you just listen to me and agree with me, everything will be right. Am I far from the mark here? The reason we so often fail to die to ourselves is because we think we are the most important person in the room and that everyone should hear from us. We fail to die to ourselves because we think dying is beneath us. Dying is beneath us. Redemption Church, dying to Jesus is going to cost you. When King David sinned and he took a census, he went up to sacrifice to the Lord. And when a man came and was willing to give him the oxen for the sacrifice, David replied, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings. I will not offer sacrifice to my Lord, the Lord my God, that costs me nothing. Has your sacrifice for Jesus actually cost you anything? We have heard Dave say countless times in the last few months, in the last few years, that we are going to be uncomfortable together. In those moments when we feel uncomfortable is the best opportunity to die to ourselves. 
The reason we feel uncomfortable when our sin is called out, when our preferences are challenged, is because everything within us wants to protect ourselves. Everything in us wants to do it our way. But that discomfort is a chance for you to die to yourself and to glorify Jesus and make him look great. Dying to yourself is hard to do. But church, it is worth it. It's worth it on, uh, on two aspects, and I, and I wanted to touch on two different aspects of dying to yourself. First, of why it's worth it. First, the negative aspect, that what happens if we don't die to ourselves, and then the positive aspect of if we do die to ourselves. So first, the negative aspect, if we don't die to ourselves. Either you die before you die, or you die after you die. Either you die before you die, or you die after. We will die one day. Everyone who has ever lived has died or will die. And even though we spend every day trying so hard not to die, the best that we can do is delay it. But it is coming, and so we fight hard not to die, live every day for us, and pretend like we are not going to die. So we accumulate things to make us feel better. We trust in medical advances or new diets or yoga and think we can live forever. But the hard truth, which I think we have experienced more so this year than any other year, is that we will die. So all the work that we do to try and stay alive will ultimately fail us. You cannot take it with you. That's what Jim Elliott is talking about when he says he is no fool to give what he cannot keep. You cannot keep your life. If we don't die before we die, Scripture tells us that there is another death waiting for us. Revelation 21 Right after that, that, the part that we love to talk about, about it, like a new heavens and a new earth and Jesus making all things new, Jesus says that those who fail to die to themselves, their portion or their result will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. That is the second death. Oh, let us be a people who die to ourselves. But there's a benefit. There's a benefit to dying to ourselves, and it's here in verse 26. Look at verse 26 in, in, in chapter 12. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. See, if we die to ourselves and serve Jesus, we get Jesus. Where Jesus is, there you will be, and where you are, there Jesus will be. Your life may be taken from you, but Jesus will never be taken. Death cannot separate you from Jesus. Paul says it this way in Philippians 2, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do we, do we believe that? Do we really honestly believe that, that to die is gain? And that, that doesn't mean that we're trying to die, but it does mean do we count our, our life as insignificant compared to loving Jesus so much that we would consider dying gain because we get to go spend eternity with Jesus. If we consider Jesus more important than our very lives, when we die, we will gain Jesus, something that we cannot 
concludes. Not only is Jesus with us in our dying, but God honors those who lay down their life for Jesus. End of verse 27. If anyone serves me, the Father honors him. God will honor those who serve Jesus above themselves. Paul fleshes this idea out more in Romans 12 when he says, By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a holy sacrifice. I'm sorry, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. Our service to God through dying to ourselves will not be in vain because we will make Jesus look amazing and God the Father will honor our service. But, but what are we to do? I know I may be excited now and some of you might be in the same way to go die for Jesus um, and, and, and give all my everything for Jesus. Might be excited to go do that, to be willing to die for him. But let's be honest, tomorrow I'm going to go back living for myself. I'm going to go back to those moments where I consider myself the most important person in the room. Not to mention all the times in the past that I have lived for myself. What can be done for those people who fail to die to themselves? We have a savior who died for us. We do not trust in our ability to die to ourselves, but we wholly trust in Jesus's death for us. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Jesus died for those who would not die to themselves. But even more than that, look at verse 27. Uh, and, and, and again, we have to put this in context here. Um, in, uh, in the story here, Jesus is going to be dead. He's going to be on the cross in less than a week. And so in this verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse 28. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. See, Jesus died to himself before he died. He submitted his life to the Father considered his life as less important than those of his people and gave himself up to be sacrificed on the cross. And in the garden, we see this. When Jesus prays, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as you will. Redemption Church, Jesus died to himself, entrusted his life to God, and then was sacrificed for those people who would not die to themselves. By one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. We are made righteous, us selfish sinners who won't die to themselves. We are made righteous through the other centered sacrifice on the cross where Jesus died to himself and then was put up on the cross. So Redemption Church, look to your Savior. Look to your Savior when you are struggling to die to yourself. Look to your Savior in hope and trust that he is worth laying down your life. And you will not be disappointed. Let's pray. 
God, you're good, and we thank you for that. Uh, help us to do that. This is a heavy call to lay down our life for Jesus, to surrender all as we sung earlier. Lord, we need your help. We need your spirit to come in and help us to do that because everything in us doesn't want to do it. Lord, it's in you that we find life, and so we pray that you would help us, help us to respond rightly now, and help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen.